0: welcome back my name is steve the founder of english and go this podcast is part 12 of the series from russia with guns now i started composing this podcast several weeks ago but i held off finishing it or publishing it for two reasons The first reason was that, a few weeks ago, everything seemed to have reached another stalemate, where neither side showed much change. But I suspected that the stalemate would soon change, and indeed it did. The second reason is a combination of a vacation and continuing renovation work on this building. It is very difficult to record a podcast with workmen hammering and sawing a few meters from the microphone. At the moment, it is currently raining, so there's a bit of a break from the work. Also, I'd like to extend my thanks and best wishes to Magdalena, who was an excellent hostess for our time in Vienna. It has been more than six months since Russia invaded Ukraine, and the war continues, but now it looks quite a bit different. As all of you have already heard, I'm sure, Ukraine launched an aggressive counterattack against Russian forces near the city of Izum. That attack, to put it simply, was a spectacular success, and opened the door to all kinds of liberated towns in the space of only a few days. For long-time listeners, you may recall back in Podcast 99, From Russia with Guns, Part 8, I discussed Izium and how Ukraine was defending it for over a month against the Russian assault, and then a traitor, or a verator in Deutsch, showed the Russian military an unguarded stretch of road, so they were able to sneak by the Ukrainian defenses and take the town. So we can understand why Ukraine would want Izium back. Well, they got it back, along with Kupiansk, which was a major supply route for Russia in the east of Ukraine. The counterattack Ukraine launched was so successful that Russian troops panicked and ran away in several key areas. The Ukrainian forces not only liberated small cities, towns, and settlements, but they also captured dozens of Russian tanks, trucks, artillery pieces, and many thousands of artillery shells. There is a word for this kind of result and that word is rout, R-O-U-T. A rout means to cause a panic in the other army, where they run away, leaving behind soldiers and equipment. After six days of the Ukrainian counterattack, the Ukrainian army liberated more than 2,000 square kilometers of formerly occupied land and the Russian military was forced to make a statement. So they said something similar to what they said back in April when they were pushed out of Kiev. Russia announced that they would pull all of their troops out of the Kharkiv Oblast to once again focus on the Donbass region. So let's take a moment and recap the last six months. Russia invaded from Belarus, Weissrussland in Deutsch, to capture Kiev. After about six weeks of heavy fighting, they gave up and left. Russia invaded from Russia directly to try and capture Kharkiv City, the second largest city in Ukraine. And after more than 70 days of attacking the city, Russia was forced back and eventually gave up and pulled back to territory very close to the border. Russia, also invading from Belarus as well as Russia, tried to capture Sumy, a city in the northeast of Ukraine, and just at the same time they abandoned Kiev, they abandoned Sumy. How about Snake Island? Do you remember that one? After four months of trying to build an air defense base, and frequently getting attacked by Ukrainian drones, jet, and long-range artillery, Russia gave up and left Snake Island. Now, after some 200 days of war, Russia has all but left the Kharkiv Oblast and is scrambling to once again regroup its troops in the Donbass, where Ukraine is currently shaping a new counter-offensive. In short... Russia's hold on Ukraine is shrinking. It is getting smaller. And as we can see, their troops are quick to run away when faced with a serious counter-offensive. Their push in the south around Kherson has stalled. And in fact, Ukraine is pushing back as I record this. Consider this. The Ukrainian counteroffensive that began in Izum liberated more Ukrainian territory in seven days than Russia was able to capture since April. This is bad news all around for the Russian military. So now let's look ahead. What is the situation today and what can we expect in the coming weeks? Russia still controls much of the Donbass area and a large portion of Ukraine's south, up to the Dnieper River. Russia still controls the ZPP nuclear power plant and the city of Kherson. But the question remains, for for how long... Because Ukraine has shown that with more advanced NATO-supplied weapons, such as HIMARS, HARM missiles, Gepard guns, they can destroy Russian supplies. They can destroy the bridges, whether rail or road traffic, that Russia is using. They can destroy Russian aircraft and drones. Russia still has a lot of artillery, and lots of men, but their supplies keep getting squeezed and those fighting men have fewer places that they can go. Simply put, the pressure is on Russia. Ukraine is now in a very strong position to counterattack Russian troops in both the South and in the East. This is what Ukraine is doing Instead of Russia attacking Ukrainian positions, it is Ukraine counter-attacking in multiple areas, probing the Russian defenses for a weak point, which would allow them to break through like they did in Izum. There is one particular area that is an exception to what I just described, and that is the city of Bakhmut. For reasons that many people do not understand, Russia is continuing to attack Bakhmut, although its larger strategic importance is hard to understand. So we have to ask ourselves, can Russia turn things around? Well, it it is possible, but that possibility is very small as of today. Russia has begun missile attacks against power stations and water-pumping facilities. And this will hurt normal Ukrainians, just like Russia's been doing since day one. But it will have only minor impacts on the Ukrainian army. Which is why Ukraine is now appealing to Russian soldiers directly to surrender. They're launching propaganda leaflets and posting messages on common Russian forums. They're asking Russian soldiers why continue to fight when the tide has clearly turned. Now, this is a normal tactic among fighting armies, and it may not change much. But it is always worth trying. Because if some Russian soldiers decide it's not worth it, Their lives will be saved, Ukrainian lives will be saved, and this war will end sooner rather than later. If, however, Russian generals, colonels, and captains force their soldiers to keep fighting, despite what now starts to look pretty hopeless, well, this war will grind on until the winter. So, in short, the war is not over. And it may continue for much longer. However, it is worth taking time to recognize that Ukraine's counteroffensive around Izum exploded into a massive counteroffensive, allowing Ukraine to capture something like 6,000 square kilometers in the space of about two weeks. And that kind of smashing success gets everyone's attention. A war that seemed almost frozen in the last month is now very different, and it looks, at least a little, like things might be changing sooner rather than later. Again, my name is Steve, the founder of English & Go, an English language teaching and consulting company based in Osnabrück, Germany. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can visit our website, www.englishandgo.de, or send us an email, info at Slava, Ukraine!